a box of biscuits, a box of mixed biscuits, and a biscuit mixer. I carried the married character over the barrier. Should saucy sharks seek shelter soon? The foreign authorities put Dorothy in an orange forest. My dame hath a lame, tame crane. My dame hath a crane that is lame. O gentle Jane, doth my dame's lame, lame crane leave and come home again? When Tweedle Beetles battle with paddles in a puddle, they call it Tweedle Beetle Puddle Paddle Battle. All right, I'm ready to go. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have a little fun along the way. As always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Reed Smith. Reed Smith is a digital strategist and social media expert. He can be found online at most social properties with the handle at Reed Smith. That's LinkedIn and Twitter and Snapchat and all of those. He also has a great website at socialhealthinstitute.com. Reed, welcome to today's podcast. How's it going? I'm very, uh, I'm very vocally warm and limber. Ready for today's podcast, Chris. Always excited to be here and be co-hosting alongside Chris Boyer, also a digital strategist working with uh, healthcare organizations around the country. You can find Chris online at Chris Boyer on Twitter, many of the other social properties out there under the same handle and ChristopherBoyer.com. It's good to be here. This episode of Touchpoint is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Transparently. Transparently is the nation's fastest growing platform for gathering and publishing physician star ratings and reviews. You can visit Transparently.com to learn why the country's most innovative health systems are choosing them to power a better digital patient experience. Again, to learn more, visit them online at Transparently.com. Episode 22, read, and this is an episode I have been looking forward to for a long time because it's about one of my favorite topics, measurement. Ukuleles. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, to me, they relate to the same thing. Yes. Um, yeah, but measurement, measurement and ROI and all of the fun things that people don't really seem to be as excited about as I am, but I just get jazzed whenever we talk about this topic. Yeah, no, it's, this is a good one and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's dangerous in a lot of respects in the sense that, um, some people don't do it, which is a problem. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, some people do it under, um, kind of a misnomer of actually what they're doing and calling it something that it's not. And we'll talk about that. And then some people do it and probably, um, and I want to be careful about this, but maybe spend too much time on it in the sense that, uh, like I'm this way, like I like numbers and spreadsheets and analytics and all that kind of stuff. And so I can over analyze things to a point that it's not helpful. Analysis paralysis, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. the, the thing, mm-hmm. the thing that's really interesting over the last, you know, over a decade that we've been in this industry together, we found that at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of metrics or measurements that were being done for for marketing. And, and we've found more and more, and I think that kind of coincides with the adoption of digital channels, that we have now a great number of metrics that are out there. In fact, in one of the books that one of our, uh, actually the person we're interviewing later on in this episode, he had an, uh, a, a couple of chapters on all the different metrics that are available in his book, Social Media ROI. I was just amazed. There's like hundreds and hundreds of different things you can measure. But I mean, just because you can measure it doesn't mean you have to or you should. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll hear more from uh, Olivier Blanchard a little bit later in the podcast. Again, we'll have a link to that that book in the show notes, but that is, that's a great place to start and, and maybe uh, not to get too far ahead, but, you know, finding those, those resources, you know, and understanding, you know, all the elements. And so maybe, you know, let's talk a little bit about when we talk about measurement, I, I think the importance of measurement is, is hopefully uh, understood. Um, we're, we're in a place now uh, where, 
we're having to be accountable for the dollars we spend and the efforts we undertake. And maybe not even dollars we spend, but staff we hire, which again is spending dollars, but in a little bit of a different way, not ad dollars per se, but but FTEs. You know, just our time. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. going to events and manning booths and going to a conference even, so personal development. Uh, there's all kinds of impacts uh, financially to to all of those things. And so the importance of measurement um, really at the end of the day is just simply how are we showing you know, benefit or the value of our actions? Right, right. And I found that measurement too, when you start to measure, you can also use it to determine what's working and what's not working or um, try out different ways, you know, A-B testing where you measure it and you see, oh, maybe priority A works a little bit better than priority B and we should do more of this. And and it allows you to optimize and improve the way you're communicating, improve the way you're doing outreach at your organization. It's not just, you know, getting that outcome, but it's also optimizing to get that outcome. And then lastly, where I see a lot of great value on measurement and where more and more organizations are doing today is uh, something we're going to talk about, about starting to measure over a larger period of time, not just maybe a campaign specific or a, a specific touch point measurement, but how do you measure overall loyalty and alignment with your brand, with your organization? Maybe what we should do, Reed, is kind of focus in a little bit on the different types of measurements that are out there. And maybe we could stay a little high level and, and talk yeah. about the different ways people measure yeah, I think we've got a lot of we've got a good interview, obviously, and we've got a lot got a lot of good information and tips here. And so I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think let's you know as we kick things off, when we say measurement, you know, what what does that mean? Because uh, again, leaving this up to everybody's interpretation, you know, I, I want to make sure there's lots of ways to measure. And there's lots of things to measure. So what what are we talking about when we say measurement? So you know, measurement. A lot of times, people are going to rush right to, well, you know, how many appointments did it make or what's the, what's the financial return on that? There's a, a number of different measurements that, that kind of align to these bigger buckets. Now, the buckets are called something different, but typically um, one area of measurement could be really focused on more of the impression-based volume kind of reach metrics. Those are the things that help people, you know, get to you that are focused on how much of that is reaching that larger audience you think yeah. about impressions and yeah, I mean it's just it's just volume as a whole. So I mean it's uh, very traffic based in my mind. Yeah, page visits, impressions. You know, depending on the social platform or the digital platform, those are going to mean something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it's just um, you know how much you know warm bodies are are coming through the door. You know, kind of a thing. right. Or if you're doing an outreach like through an email or you know through a blast or through a social media post, like. How many, how many of those things that you send out, you can count those as sort of like that volume. Successful deliveries. Yeah, exactly. And then I think one, one step past that then is, is more on the engagement side. So you've got all this traffic. You have the volume piece measured, mm-hmm. or you know what that is. So what, what, from an engagement standpoint, what does that look like? Are people commenting on stuff, sharing pieces of your content, you know, liking things, clicking through your ads or opening up the email and clicking on the link in that email, mm-hmm. or you have some kind of action on your website that say, you know, click here to learn more or search right. for a doctor to actually, you know, do that action, so to speak. And even, even if you look in Facebook insights now, they've got what they call engagement. And so they've clicked on the picture in your ad. They've liked your page. They've commented, shared, like the post, you know, et cetera. There's a lot of things that kind of fall into that engagement bucket. And so that's kind of the next step in my mind. And then, you know, and that, that can also, from an engagement standpoint, you know, like you're mentioning, uh, encompass those conversion kind of mm-hmm. metrics in, in a sense. And then finally is more uh, or is ROI, which is a financial measurement. So once they convert, you know, how how is that actually creating downstream revenue. So the things that you mentioned before, so you, you go from, you know, seminar attendee to actually having surgery. Well, then you can attach a, an ROI measurement or metric to that particular campaign now that they have purchased something, that money has changed hands. Okay. So let's be very clear here. When we say ROI, we're talking about a financial measurement. ROI is the benefit or the return of an investment 
divided by the cost of that investment, and mm-hmm. the result is expressed as a percentage or a ratio. Actually, what the return you're the return on that investment whatever that might be. So, and I, and I say that because it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. It's been for a number of years. And I think that a lot of times when people are talking about ROI, sometimes they're, they may <laughs> want to try to slip in other things. Other made up things. And, and I think, you know, the, the idea that there's all these business books out there that it's just fill in the blank, RO, and then pick a letter. Return on action, return on influence, return on engagement. Look, I, you know, there, there's plenty of things to measure. And we, we talked about those in the volume and engagement side of that. So it's not that you shouldn't be measuring those things, but ROI is only one thing. And it can't, it can't be measured until money trades hands or doesn't trade hands in the sense that it's a cost savings, but it's, it has to have have that financial component to it, some sort of, you know, impact to the bottom line. That's right. So when you think about that, right, where you're talking about some of the volume uh, metrics, the engagement metrics, and then leading ultimately to that financial ROI, one of the things that often gets confused is that, you know, when you're going from engagement to that sort of that, that final conversion, so to speak, there could be multiple things that people do, multiple actions people take. And so in, in effect, there, you know, the, in the volume, to engagement, that could be almost a circular loop as you're nurturing, which is another marketing term, right? Nurturing them to get even closer and closer to actually taking that final action, that financial conversion, if that's what it may be, right? right. And, and not everything, by the way, is geared towards a financial return. But certainly, whatever that final conversion would be, if it's if it's an ROI or not, whatever that fi- that final conversion would be, the way people work, they just don't click on an ad, they go to a landing page, fill out a form, go to a seminar, and then you know book surgery. That isn't how it actually works. In, in the ideal world, that would be great, but but the world is very complex and people act differently when they engage with their care. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because it's a lot of back and forth, start, stop. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we've read uh, or seen studies uh, where, you know, folks interested in uh, bariatric surgery or weight loss surgery, for example, will spend up to three hours a week online for up to two years before they make a decision. To take an actual, you know, in-person action like attending a seminar. So, you know, that's that's a lot of online, offline, talk to somebody, back online again. You know, so they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the point of measurement is to determine, you know, are we reaching our goals? Now, one of those goals may be ROI, may be a financial piece. But it does not have to be. You know, there's other there's other success metrics in there, and I think some of that is. You know, we've got to look at when we start the campaigns or when we start the planning, what does success look like? If we do this thing, whatever that is, and X amount of time has passed, predetermined amount of time has passed, six months, a year, a week, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and we were successful, what did that mean? Right. And if you can get everybody on the same page up front versus waiting to the end, and that's one of the problems is we wait to the end of a campaign and then try to measure the success. Yeah. And we didn't determine what success looked like before we started. So everybody's got a different idea once we get down the road. That's a really important part, Reed, is that a lot of times we can measure a lot of stuff and we like to measure and well, some people like to measure some things and you know, your your agencies and the different people that you're working with, they could they'll be more than happy to come back with a full, you know, list of all the activity and all the work that they did. And we talked about this in uh, in episode twenty, right? That, you know, some the bigger the number, they they tend to like that. But if you focus on what your actually outcome, your goal, what you're trying to accomplish is and develop your, your uh, I'm going to use another term here that we might need to define, but your KPIs towards that final outcome or that final goal. And KPIs, for those who don't know, is key performance indicators. If you can develop those, then that gives everybody singing from the same songbook. It makes the ability to measure. Uh, it gives you prioritization. It helps you with a lot of things to ensure that what you're measuring is actually meaningful results. So we touched on it just a little bit on, on why measurement is hard. The first point being... Um, a lot of times we're, we're doing measurement at the wrong part of the process, you know, or we're waiting to the end to decide how we're going to measure maybe. And two, um, you know, without everybody being on the same page, that obviously is going to make measurement very hard because you're, you're now trying to please people 
uh, with numbers that were never meant to be presented that way, right? And so you're trying to tell a story that doesn't exist. What are, what are some other other reasons measurement you know becomes hard? Well, I think another thing too is read is that as we talked about patients and uh, other people respondents to whatever kind of thing that we're measuring whatever that campaign may be or strategy they don't follow follow linear paths they're they're kind of multi-channel um we we before we we discuss consumer journey mapping the thing mm-hmm. is in healthcare there are so many different touch points that mapping a journey of a person responding to a particular action or activity or campaign or whatever it might be it doesn't it doesn't necessarily follow follow a linear path so they may jump from you know one thing they may go to your website research come back then go to your social media site whatever it might be and that's really hard to do when you're draw, jumping from one channel to the next and you don't know the linear flows because measurement really a lot of times you're measuring the last attribution, the last touch point that they had with you. It doesn't give you the fuller picture. That's why we've introduced things where there's pixels that kind of follow you around and try to measure you over your social media and your website and things like that to get a better understanding of how you're journeying through everything, but also to give you a better sense of measurement to see what channels lead to which and which influences another. But that in and of itself is very complicated and hard to do. One of the reasons measurement's hard is, you know, we've done the same thing the same way for so many years. You know, budgeting's Mm -hmm. been done the same, reporting's been done the same, which is not much. Uh, Because, you know, we've been so reliant on traditional marketing channels for so long We've gotten used to not having a plethora of data. And some of that to this, you know, we mentioned earlier even um, is maybe a problem in the sense that, you know, we've got almost too much data at this point that, you know, I don't know that it's providing a lot of value at certain points, but we're used to not, you know, not having that. And so we're not reporting it. So now we have to report it and we have to become more accountable. You know, that's, that's just making it hard because it's just not what we've done historically. And we may not have all the tools, right? We may, you know, we, we may not be able to get accurate information from the call center or from, you know, something that's maybe outside of our own domain in measurement. And we have to start to you know, figure out ways. And these other people that we're working with um, may not be providing the right type of reporting back, or maybe they're not even reporting exactly. You know, how many times does a person on the phone say at the end, well, how did you hear about us? You know, that's anecdotal respondent, you know, of like, how, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the consumer. That's not really an actual, actual measurement. So it's really hard to determine that. But, you know, on the flip side is you can start to go through. There are ways that you can kind of accurately measure every way people can access you, but then you're making it harder for the consumer, for the person to responding, to respond to you. So you kind of have to walk that delicate balance, right, of being able to measure everything and sometimes being okay with not accurate firm measurements and, and more of these anecdotal measurements because it at least informs how optimized your campaign is rather than gives you a specific knowledge. But then imagine taking that out then to, and this is the probably the biggest challenge that organizations have is that we're reporting these numbers to people and the people that we're reporting to may or may not actually understand what we're doing. And I find that to be often the case, right? When you go back to physicians or the service line managers or even to your C-suites that you're reporting out information and you're trying to use numbers and trying to be sophisticated about what you're doing and they don't understand what you're saying. They're not on the same page as you. All right. So let's get down to kind of brass tacks here in the sense yeah. that how do you put process, a plan a program, you know, whatever you want to call it in place. So you make sure that you are reporting something that is uh, uh, impactful, you know, and effective for the organization. Sure. I sometimes call it a measurement strategy because, you know, we need another strategy, but it actually really is, you know, important to us to start to develop a a sort of a framework about how we could start measuring better. Um, I think the first step is you have to develop some kind of consistency. We talked about this now, right? Get everyone on the same page with understanding and defining and prioritizing what you're measuring. I once had this whiteboard exercise when I was working at 
Northwell, the hospital in New York, where we put up all the different KPIs that we can measure. And then we actually went back and said, okay, now which ones on the whiteboard are most important for us to get to the answer that we're looking for, to measure the success. Right. And surprisingly, of the you know 50 things that we can measure, it was only a handful of things, like 10 or 15 things that were most important. And I think that's I think that's important to consider that. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, having that exercise and going through that exercise each time, I think is really important mm-hmm. just so, you know, we do have that consistency. And then, you know, the next thing behind that read is to develop sort of a, a roadmap. Everyone expects that the minute you start measuring, you can start measuring ROI right away. Well, we as healthcare marketers know that ROI and for joint replacement is a lot different than ROI for maybe an imaging campaign, which is different than ROI for, you know, maybe a cardiology awareness campaign. The path to to actually getting those appointments to actually seeing that revenue is different and we have to set those expectations i think that a lot of times this is back to not people understanding things is just because we can measure it doesn't mean we can actually get to that end measurement right away it's not going to happen in 30 days right so you have to develop kind of a, a a roadmap where you can walk through with the people that you know you're measuring for and saying okay we're going to do this and in one month we're going to provide this information and next month we're going to provide this information and typically from the stuff that we see you know we we probably are going to see ROI measurements later like in 6 months maybe even 12 months so develop consistency get everybody on the same page right well and there's another consistency read which is not everything's called the same what <laughs> I know. Not every metric is the same. What we talked about is like these volume-based metrics for digital is different than volume-based metrics for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a, a maybe a, a content marketing campaign, which is different than social media. So the other thing is, is develop that consistency across the metrics that you're measuring, creating a data dictionary that's consistent, right? That this is the same, is the same type of measurement as this, and we're going to measure it kind of the same way. It helps to basically give us a translation book. You know, I don't want people to think that they've got to create this entire new document necessarily, although maybe you do, maybe that, that maybe that's exactly what you need to do, but at least think about as you're reporting, especially as you're reporting to people outside of your department, outside of marketing and communications, do not take uh, for granted that you know what KPIs are or that you know what uh, CTR, like click-through rate, means in some of those types of things. And at least put some sort of a legend or something on these reports. Again, so you make sure that you're driving that consistency around the organization, that you're not just assuming everybody else knows what, what all these, you know, what reach means. Or if it's different from Facebook to uh, Pandora or something like that, you know, be sure to you know spell that out. That although these are called the same thing, that she means something different based on that particular platform. Those are the initial pieces that you need. Then you can move into the part now where you start to see how well you are measuring. Because <laughs> chances are you might be measuring some of this stuff, maybe not very well, but it, this is a really good point where you can do an inventory of the different ways you are measuring. And from that, also figure out ways where you're not measuring so well. Again, this is well before you even start things, right? This, so this gives you that sense of, oh, we're not getting the right information back from the call center. How can we work with them to get that gap of yeah. information? Or we're not getting the right information from the, the physician practice that we're driving referrals to. How can we start to gather that information? Yeah, so benchmarking, you know, have, have drawn that line in the sand um, because it's going to be really hard to show success or determine what's working and not working if you don't know where you started. I know that sounds elementary, but we don't we don't do very good and we don't have a good in, in some cases don't have a great way to benchmark. And so you may have to benchmark against yourself or you know history, so to speak, mm-hmm. trends. Be be an expert in this. So when you're showing a report and someone says, "Huh." This looks low. You can say, well, actually, you know, that's higher than it was this month last year. But this month historically is always trended lower across, you know, the beginning of the summer weeks or, you know, whatever. But be, be, you know, be an expert in that space where you, not that you're making excuses for everything, but you're able to answer effectively or say, provide context, if you will, you know, for certain metrics. 
it can also read allow you to identify where maybe there are these people that have these biases, right? This looks low. Low compared to what? How were you measuring it before? Show us how you know how this is currently being measured. This gives you a really good opportunity or a sense to identify that historical way that people have approached things. You know, what's interesting I find a lot is that with the advent of digital, there's now a higher emphasis on measurement because everything can be measured online. Right. But it also, you know, they start to look at, they're comparing it against this maybe anecdotal belief that traditional ways or other ways were performing a lot better than digital. And, you know, like, what's the ROI of a billboard? The old question, right? Because they don't really measure it, you know? And yeah. so this gives you a good sense of where, where sort of those biases are and helps you to have sort of a good dialogue. You know, we, we talk about this as like a whole effort. This really should be part of your marketing planning or your communication planning that you're doing. If you're creating a campaign for a service line or what have you, this is a great place to do that, is to, to get all of this taken care of beforehand. Then we move to the next phase. All right, so we've developed some consistency. We've got everybody on the same page. Uh, we know where we're starting uh, or know where we've been historically. What's uh, what's step three? Step three, well, we go out into the market and we start to measure initial responses to that effort or that campaign. A lot of times people want to put it in the market and then come back three months later and see how it works. Mm-hmm. I actually believe that you want to probably do some initial responses first. When you do like, for example, pay-per-click, you want to you want to look at that after at least after the first week and to see how it's initially performing. I, I tell a story of we put a campaign out for imaging and I was getting responses phone call responses recorded and sent to me via email within the very first hour we saw that there was activity great we're getting all these calls coming in but i noticed on the emails i was getting that the calls were 10 or 15 seconds long hardly enough to warrant making an appointment for an imaging right so that allowed me to very quickly within the first couple of hours go back and audit those realize that we were directing it for some reason to the wrong phone number people were hanging up we were able to then you know quickly use those initial things to make those adjustments, those kind of short-term adjustments to allow you to gently tweak and optimize to make sure that the program can run consistently. I think that's great. And I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, a lot of hospitals even much are much more comfortable with, you know, what they'll call a pilot program or something like that. And this allows you to work that to your advantage within your measurement process track and measure early and often and then at a certain point in time you know you you say okay everything seems to be working well that doesn't mean you have to keep checking in i mean you should check in probably on a monthly basis just to see then you get more sustainable for the long term and the sustainable for the long term involves where now you can say that this effort is out there it's measuring successfully you come back check on a monthly basis and then maybe on a quarterly basis you do more of an analytical approach pull in all your data measurements, kind of track to see how things are going. That's a great time to go back and and do report outs uh, where you're providing more strategic, not just like here are the numbers, not a show up and throw up of the numbers, but now it's like you're doing some analytical results of, look, it's working and we're starting to see some effort. We're moving towards that, whatever that, you know, end goal result might be. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great time to even, um, you know, layer in some forecasting. If you're, if you're measuring often, you know, what we found that works and and seems, you know, where, where people like this is, you know, maybe you have a weekly trend, you know, so you're looking at just kind of some top level, some key metrics across your different mediums or campaigns or platforms or however you want to structure that, whatever makes sense based on, you know, your strategy, what you're doing. Um, and so you're getting that quick hit and you're determining, are we trending in the right direction? Is this doing what we meant it to do kind of a thing? Or do we need to take a deeper look and maybe do some adjustments, you know, kill off, you know, one of the AB testing elements, you know, or something like that. Monthly, you've got more of the reporting of like, here's what we, here's what happened. You know, here's the ad that worked well, and here's this, and here's that. And it's just more of that report that you're sending around the organization. And then quarterly is that deeper dive that maybe includes the forecasting piece. And so, again, not that that's going to work for everybody, but you've got to figure out, you know, what you're doing and how you're going to report that to everybody. Again, back to the consistency piece. All we're talking about right now is some micro measurement, right? So for a particular effort, particular campaign, we're taking it up to a higher level to start getting more of that sustainable measurement where you can start to use 
models of particular efforts to benchmark towards other efforts that you're doing to say, well, we did this last year and then what, here's what we could do this year to, to make this better. You get to that level at about you know six months, maybe even a year into it, where you could start to move from micro to macro. And that's about the time too, when you start to understand and be able to measure, optimize per the channel, you could say, well, a good campaign should involve pay-per-click, Facebook, website, you know, all of these elements. And this gives you sort of like that building blocks for the next campaign or next effort that you get into. So you move from micro to macro measurement strategies. Then comes the nirvana state, which a lot of organizations still aren't at yet, but they're trying to get there. How do you measure the overall long-term engagement with patients, engagement with the audiences you're reaching for? How do you start getting to that lifetime value of the patient and that's like a whole nother level but now you're able to even start to take the measurements and bring them down to if you have a good the tools and systems in place to that individual to be able to see well this particular household or this particular persona group or whatever will respond to this type of campaign as opposed to this type of campaign and we're not going to let's not be fooled if you're getting into measurement strategy that's going to take you a while to build towards that many industries are still struggling with that and we as a healthcare industry are a little bit behind the times. Well, maybe a little bit. Again, don't look for ways to make excuses. Look for ways to provide value of some sort. But again, we're not selling shoes. You know, it's not a not a consumer, you know, storefront, so to speak. And so we've got to figure out, you know, how do we get there? And again, I think these are some good good ways to do that and good tips to get there. Touch point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight! Welcome to Touch Point, Touch Counterpoint, the segment of the podcast where Chris and I argue. Um, I kid. So this is, uh, obviously, if you've listened to episodes in the past, we take polar opposite views of today's topic or of that day's topic, today being measurement. And specifically today, we're going to opposite, uh, argue opposite points uh, around there being an actual ROI, again, mm-hmm. financial ROI, Uh, an actual ROI to hospital marketing as a whole. So before we get started with this read um, and the side that I'm going to take, I'm just going to get into this right away for everybody to know that um, this is going to be hard for you and I to argue because we actually do believe there is, I would say. There are ways that we can measure that. But we're going to do this because we hear this often. So I am going to take the ca- the point of there is no true way to measure ROI of hospital marketing efforts. And here's why. Here's why I argue this. It's because there are so many things that impact a decision to making healthcare, to choosing healthcare, that quite frankly, marketing doesn't, isn't one of the primary reasons why people pursue care. It's so many other factors. They're sick. They need help. Marketing is one of the least important decisions in the whole path. So why even measure the ROI of this? Because it doesn't, it has a very nominal, if any, impact. Then we just shouldn't do it at all. If we're not going to measure it, if we're not going to be willing to spend time and show the value of our efforts, that's fine. Then they can just, they'll end up just shutting down the whole apartment. Now, come on, Reed. You know that's not going to happen. Hospitals exist in communities because they're needed in those communities. You don't need to drive demand. People just get sick. And what they're going to do is they're going to seek out care. And honestly, you could send me a postcard or maybe send me a Facebook ad and all that. But at the end of the day, that's not going to drive. It's going to be so hard to carve out the percentage of the effort needed to drive people to to care that the marketing is you shouldn't even try to bother measuring ROI of marketing doesn't matter it's such a nominal impact but there's such a trust factor in in healthcare and I think absent of a prior visit you know marketing is really what helps drive uh, adoption and trust uh, well of any brand I guess you know that you don't have a previous experience with and so all the things that we talk about around consumer experience, you know, are really driven in, in, in large part, uh, except for the patient care encounters, 
uh, are driven by by marketing. Well, I would argue that it, the impact that the nurse has and the doctor has on that patient experience probably far outweighs what the you know how easy it was to to click on your Facebook ad and to open up your web page and make an appointment. I would say that, you know, the, all of those things are great and all, but I mean, that, that really isn't even marketing in, in the traditional sense of the, the form. And ultimately, how is ROI an accurate way to measure this effectiveness? Because it's our efforts. We, we, have to mar- we have to measure them in the sense that, yes, the nurse and the patient encounter with the physician and things like that do heavily weigh and probably the majority is weighted relative to that and their patient experience as a whole. But they're never going to get to that place unless uh, they trust us and they engage with us in some way. Um, and we're seeing that more and more through digital channels, not even just marketing channels as a whole. I'm going to concede on, you know, maybe we do do need to measure, you know, all of these other things to see how well we're doing and how the experience is. I think that that's important. But I think ROI is such a small sliver of this that we shouldn't even be pursuing financial return. We should just be making sure that, you know, our ads look pretty and um, and that, the, you know, the hospital lobby is clean. So we just shouldn't measure <laughs> I can't do it anymore, Reed. I'm sorry, I can't do this. <laughs> you know this antithetically goes against how I feel. It's hard to argue with someone who just doesn't even open themselves up to uh, being able to measure. I think, you know, we've talked about this often. We are a highly measured industry. Doctors measure how well they do. Um, our nursing staff measures how well they're doing. Our, you know, our even our janitorial services are measuring the effectiveness of what they're doing. We as marketers, we have to measure our effectiveness. We just have to. Absolutely. And I know that it's hard to measure ROI, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be going to do that. We need to be measuring ROI, even though it is hard. Well, define success and then measure against it. You know, start there. Yeah. And not everything you do is has a financial ROI measurement. I get that. Patient education, patient experience, that might be a little bit different. But I mean, wherever you can, when it's important, don't hesitate from measuring ROI. And my apologies to all of the people that were listening to me, wondering what happened and if I was replaced by my evil stepbrother, Chris. We're back with the expert interview portion of the podcast, and today I'm really excited based on uh, the conversations Chris and I have had so far around measurement and KPIs and all that kind of fun stuff. Very fortunate to have a good friend, Olivier Blanchard, on the podcast today. Olivier, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having good. me on. Good. Good. You know, one of the things that, you know, and how I originally, you know, uh, met Olivier was through a, a common friend um, that's a partner of mine in, in business over that direction, a guy named Bobby Ratu. But, um, you know, really got to know him and, and got to understand, you know, your background a little bit and um, around measurement and some of those types of things. And, and you know, we'll put a link to the uh, social media ROI book and some of the other books that you've written in the show notes as well. And so, but just real quick before we jump into this, maybe give everybody just a little bit of a flavor of uh, kind of what you've done, what you're working on now. Yeah. So uh, again, my name is Olivier Blanchard. You can tell from my first name anyway, that uh, I'm French originally, grew up in France, moved to the U.S. many, many years ago and started getting into uh, uh, business development, marketing, digital communications. Uh, and really, I was, I was involved with social media long before it was called social media or commonly known as uh, social media. So uh, I don't know that you, you could say that I was an early adopter of, uh, of Facebook, um, but I was an early adopter of other platforms that came before or before Facebook uh, scaled, uh, things like BuzzNet and uh, so on. So I was already uh, playing with some of these things and applying them to the companies that I was working with. And at the time, they were kind of looking at me like, what is this? You know, this is not normal marketing <laughs> or advertising. What, yeah. are you, what are you fiddling with on the internet? Um, but we were starting to, uh, to already use uh, social networks uh, and social platforms as uh, customer service uh, tools and also as, uh, as 
field testing for prototypes and different campaigns. So it was, uh, it was, it was kind of interesting to start getting into the weeds of uh, customer acquisition, customer retention, customer development using these new channels. And so fast forward, you know, 10, 15, oh God, almost 20 years later, and here we are in, in you know, the age of social media. Uh, and a few years ago, I was compelled by a publisher to write a book called Social Media ROI, which was a, still is a, a uh, 300 page kind of, you know, very easy to read textbook on how to integrate social media into a business. So it's not all about ROI. I think actually there's only one chapter about it, but the rest is, is basically how to think of social media uh, as, a, uh, as a new toolkit that can integrate into PR, marketing, sales, etc. cetera, uh, and obviously how to measure it so that on the front end, you can actually budget for it properly and sell it to uh, stakeholders across the company, line of business uh, decision makers mostly, and uh, and on the back end to see if your investments are paying off and if uh, if you're spending your money wisely and if the tactics that you're using are, are delivering the kinds of outcomes that you expected when you wrote that check. Um, yeah. And on top of that, now I'm I'm an analyst with uh, with a firm called Futurum, and we focus uh, on all the new technologies that are also impacting business and uh, and the healthcare industry for that matter. So things like IoT and cloud computing and uh, you know big data, big analysis, AI, et cetera. So it, it's, it's all kind of coming together in this big, this big churning pool of new technology and, uh, and insights. You know, talking about the book, and you talk about, um, although the name of it is Social Media ROI, you talk about there's really only like a chapter that's truly about that financial metric of ROI. And I think there's still a little bit of a misnomer in what it is that we're measuring or, or at least attempting to measure. And so a lot of those you were talking about how that, you know, impacts, you know, earned media or, um, you know, whatever, whatever the initiative may be, uh, or the effort may be. And ultimately, you know, determining, was that a good use of our dollars? And I think, was that a good use of our dollars is different than ROI. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, actually, if if you're asking, was this a good use of my my dollars? You're already on, you're kind of on the right track. At least you're you know you're you're looking at at the right type of of relationship between you know investment, a financial impact of some kind, mm. which ROI is uh, is at least focused on. Um, if if you want to get down to brass tacks, ROI is just an equation. It's it's literally just return on investment. It's not return on on influence. It's not return on innovation. One of the problems with this this whole ROI and social media uh, discussion is that very early on, a lot of you know quote unquote social media gurus jump into the fray and started um, talking about uh, the value of social media in ways that were non financial, and many of them didn't have the, the business background or the business discipline. Uh, to understand that when uh, marketing directors or CEOs or whomever were asking about the ROI of social media, they were asking about you know a very specific metric, which is you know money in, money out. Uh, you know, I put a hundred dollars in this. Uh, am I going to get two hundred dollars back? And so it's it's a very specific thing. It's you can Google it. Uh, it's the same equation in every single country. It doesn't matter. And in every single industry, ROI is ROI. And ROI is nothing else. Um, yeah. That said, there are other ways that, that social media uh, can be useful. And uh, in, in fact, ROI is a very, very small sliver of a giant pie of value that social media can bring to any organization or campaign or program or whatever. So um, you, you can use social media to deliver any kind of outcome that makes sense uh, from, you know, again, you know, patient acquisition, uh, patient, uh, you know, uh, education, right? Mm -hmm. You can, I've seen the CDC use social media very effectively to warn people about outbreaks or to, on, on the other hand, not even just, you know, pushing information out, 
and educating the public or warning them or whatever, but also using social media to uh, to do research, to actually bring information in from the mm. field and better understand how people are talking about something or, or how certain things might be you know spreading or clustering or whatever. Um, one of the big values of, uh, of social media is that because so many people use it, and so many people use it in so many ways. There's a lot of data hidden in there that can tell you in real time and over periods of time uh, how a situation might be changing, how perceptions might be changing about you know an illness or topic, whatever. Uh, and so you can you can also do a lot of market research uh, or field research using social media. So those types of things can ultimately translate into ROI if you know you use them in in, uh, in in a way as as you know elements of a funnel that drives towards some kind of financial transaction but uh even if it's a cost savings you know if you're if you're spending x and you want to spend only y and you use social media to kind of steer patients or the general public from one direction to another but uh but for the majority of uh, of the time the majority of the metrics that you're going to use to gauge the efficiency or the effectiveness of a social media channel of a social media program campaign activity uh roi is not going to be your uh your first uh or even in your top 10 uh set of, of metrics or values unless you're you know you're in retail and you're selling trinkets or something and so dude i feel like we find ourselves on the back end of this equation trying to figure out how to justify what we did after the fact versus before we started which is weird to me because usually if i mean if, if you take social media as a term out of the equation right um if you're looking at marketing pr advertising uh anything else you you don't usually just you know if <laughs> you have a budget you're trying to do something you don't sit around going how can i spend this money um i mean i know that happens actually i, I should take that back I've, I've been in situations where yeah we have that money how do we spend it that's true um and there are there are many good ways of doing that but generally you you know what what you're trying to accomplish you have at least one desired outcome in mind even if you don't have a target even if you haven't set a number you want to know which direction uh, you want to go. Uh, you want to go into whether it's you know attracting new patients or you know lowering the uh, the rate of teen pregnancies or uh, you know letting more people know about um, a suicide prevention hotline. Whatever it may be, there's there's some kind of outcome that you're that you're having this discussion about to begin with. There, you're trying to drive at something, and so social media is no different. Um, and, and I guess a good, a good place to start for, uh, for a lot of people, regardless of the business of the industry, is once you understand that outcome, you know what you're trying to accomplish, you can then kind of you know, look at all of these different types of, of media activities and media channels and start analyzing them in terms of, okay, this is my toolkit, right? This is my sandbox. What do I want to use uh, to reach you know, the audience that I want. Uh, what, how do I use all this stuff to even find out where we are as a benchmark to be able to measure our success you know, five months, six months, three weeks, 10 years down the road? And so when, when you start looking at, at the entire field of, of channels and activities in terms of um, you know, basically kind of reverse engineering everything that you might be doing from the outcome that you're trying to uh, that you're trying to deliver, then it's it's all just a matter of you know using them as as media puzzle pieces and making your own puzzle. It's it's understanding how these channels apply to your audience first of all, uh, how these channels are going to scale and uh, and spread your message, what those channels are going to teach you data wise in terms of, uh, of whether or not you're reaching anybody or you know, e even identifying the right people, the, the, the right accounts and individuals so you can target them within a certain, uh, a certain ecosystem, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, etc. The, the rest of it, the, the actual content piece is, uh, is relatively easy to put together. Uh, but the, the strategy of, of sort of understanding how all this fits is, uh, is where it takes a little bit more work. But ultimately, if you start with that goal in mind 
and you start setting targets to that goal. Uh, 10,000 people reached, uh, mm -hmm. 1,500 net new visits to right. a website or to a web page, uh, registrations, signups, uh, mentions, the use of a hashtag, clicking yeah. on a link, whatever it is, uh, you can then kind of measure the s various levels of impact and behaviors from your audience based on the channel that you've used and the type of content that you've used to reach them. And, and that's really powerful. So that, and none of that is necessarily ROI until they've spent dollar one. Exactly. This is not necessarily something that you're going to, when somebody asks you, well, what's the ROI of this spend on, you know, STD education through Twitter, there's probably not gonna be any ROI. What you're gonna have though, is these outcomes that you can you know, qualify and quantify uh, appropriately based on the objectives that you had when you first started your program. And, and it, this is probably a good place to say that um, you know, initially, and, and still with a lot of companies, I, have, I see this, this tendency for senior decision makers who are maybe of a different generation <laughs> than uh, you know, power users of, of social media to, and this is true of, of a lot of new IT tools. So we see this with uh, discussions now about the Internet of Things and about uh, you know, mobility and, and, and all sorts of things, sensors. Um, we, we see the sort of, of same reluctance to learn and to become fluent in these technologies and how they can be integrated into a business model to A, improve the, uh, the efficiency of the model and B, transform the model to make it more competitive in, in the coming years. And that, that sort of reluctance to adopt and to understand and to become fluent in these, uh, in these types of areas often turns uh, or, or is manifested in, in a kind of disdain for them, which in turn leads to very little investment or this kind of pushing off to the side of let, let the interns do it, let the kids handle it, sort of. <laughs> and so even you know, in, in terms of IT budgets and IT hires and, and even within the context of HR, who do you hire next for position X, Y, and Z? Do you hire people who have the skills that were in the job description 10 years ago, or do you start to, to change the job description to also incorporate some of the new skills that people in that position are going to need in the next few years, which involve data and technology and you know, social media awareness and skills, et cetera. And uh, with a lot of companies, what you see is that, that reluctance translating into uh, a sort of mismanagement of change management uh, within the organization relative to IT, relative to technologies, and relative to, to social media. So I think from a measurement standpoint, you know, we're, we're quickly moving away from this being advertising and, you know, some of the topics Chris and I have talked about historically is just, you know, customer experience. Yeah. Um, innovation, things like that. And so we, we've talked and touched on a number of different things, but w what's kind of, you know, a tip or two, some of your best advice for those that, you know, maybe they're measuring a little bit. I mean, obviously analytics are part of uh, most of these platforms. You know, you can log into Facebook Insights or maybe you've got Google Analytics on the website, you know, et cetera. Kind of what's the recommendation for either from an assessment standpoint or an actual measurement standpoint, you know, what should people start at least be thinking about as they're either retooling or making their way down this path? So we, we've already talked about the first thing, you know, understanding the difference between ROI and other types of positive outcomes. Uh, that's, that's pretty crucial just as a, as a baseline sort of, you know, philosophy or insight into, uh, in, into how to measure the value of what you're going to do in this space. Uh, number two is understanding what your outcomes or your desired outcomes are. Is it purely financial? Is it something else? Is it education? Is it click-throughs? If, if you actually write those down and create a brief or a plan, it helps. And it helps to keep you honest and consistent over time because if, if you know specifically what you're trying to do and you have a general goal that you can then turn into targets, then you can make adjustments along the way to see if you know either the targets that you set were 
too low or too high, or they were just right, but you're not doing the right things to meet those targets. So having a measurement practice that is not necessarily ROI focused, that's a little bit more holistic uh, and encompasses, encompasses all of these desired outcomes, uh, I think is, is a good way to, to move forward with that. The third thing is to look at social media uh, or the social media ecosystem as part of a bigger communications ecosystem. And to coordinate, not to separate it from your other communications efforts and investments, kind of bring it all together so that at least one person who manages it all is able to coordinate uh, content creation, campaigns, uh, programs, events across all of these different channels. If, if you have this cohesive communications plan that involve social media alongside everything else, connect it all together, then I think, uh, then I think you're pretty much 90% of the way there. The rest beyond that is having something interesting to talk about or to share. That's awesome. Well, I can continue this conversation for quite some time. What's the best way for people to connect with you online? Well, two ways. So on Twitter, there's a OA Blanchard or at OA Blanchard. And then also you can find me at futurum.xyz. That's F-U-T-U-R-U-M.xyz. And that, that's uh, where I write all of my analyst stuff. So there's, there's a, a lot of good content there about these technologies and social media. So, uh, so people could get insights on all sorts of things they might be interested in. Very cool. Well, man, thanks for uh, thanks for spending a few minutes, and we look forward to having you back in uh, the near future. Thanks for having me. We're winding down now, Reed, and that was a really good episode. I really liked the interview you did with Olivier. He's a smart guy. Really enjoyed this topic, as I mentioned to you from the onset. But now we're at the, the final part of our podcast, where... We uh, give some recommendations, and we just kind of close out the show. There you go. So, um, Reed, what is your recommendation this week? Uh, my recommendation has nothing to do with measurement, uh, but I think it's something everybody needs to have, just like a measurement strategy. See what I did there? I am recommending uh, you need a good pocket knife. Everybody needs a good knife <laughs> to carry around, not just because I'm living in Texas, but you, you, you always need one. I would recommend Case brand knives, C-A-S-E. You can find them at wrcase.com. It's wrcase and son cutlery, but they just go by case knives. Really good. You can get a single blade, multiple blade, folding knife, you know, knot, whatever you want. And there's just some really cool, I've got one that's uh, kind of a bone color, very thin, and uh, is not intrusive uh, in your pocket Everybody needs a good pocket knife. Everyone does need a good pocket knife, except if they're traveling to the airport. Then True. maybe. Although, can't you can't you go through now with the one like on your keychain or something? I'm not sure. I don't carry one on my keychain, and I um, I'm not sure. I want to try it out to see if I could, but we'll have to look into that. We'll do some research and get back to you on that. All right. So, Reed, I am going to recommend something that I think everyone could use. Now, you've. A couple episodes ago, you you referred uh, people to um, a bag, right? A, a good bag where they can keep stuff in. Mm-hmm. And I and I always like to have bags for little things here and there. And sitting here right on my desk is my cable bag, the bag that I use to put all my cables and stuff like that whenever I go, you know, all nice. my computer stuff. And it's actually uh, sort of a, a, a burlap bag with a, uh, done by an artist named Pamela Barsky. Now, I got to know her. I actually was when I was living in New York. She was in Chelsea Market. She had a little stand there. But she does these little bags. Look, um, Typically, they're, they're geared towards women, so they're more like makeup style bags. But they also have kind of big, more like industrial bags like this. Um, and they have cool sayings on it. So mine is has a saying on it that says, I'm fueled by a strong desire to succeed and way too much caffeine. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think that if you're going to have a bag and maybe you don't want to have like a good industrial bag like the one you recommended, I would recommend going to Pamela Barsky's uh, website. Actually, you can buy some of these on Amazon. She has an Etsy account as well. Find a good bag with a good snarky saying on it. And I think that that would be something that would make a nice addition to your bag collection. You can never have too many bags. 
Um, and you know, fun things like that to, uh, to travel with. So it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a, uh, this was a good episode and, uh, very complex. I'm sure we will have Olivia back in the future to talk about more stuff. And we'll probably also cover some additional measurement tips and topics in the future. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. We now have a Twitter account twitter.com touchpointpcast what we'll do is we'll not only post a link to this but we're going to start to uh, kind of maybe put out different articles and things about all the various topics we talk about so be sure to give us a follow there and also come to our website touchpointpodcast.com and read we didn't ask this at the top of the show but maybe we can ask this now is to get people to maybe refer us and and yeah. make some reviews yeah so uh, if you'll find your way over to itunes uh, that would be wonderful and when you're there subscribing to the podcast which is the primary thing uh, we would love it if you would uh, leave us a uh, star rating and a review um, that helps other folks find us within the itunes store and uh, that would be that'd be super super helpful and then in addition if you would if you find value in this uh, refer it to a uh, to a colleague or a family member a friend uh, somebody else you think would find benefit that's right we right now have seven five-star ratings and if you guys are still listening in here and now on episode uh, 22 that we're at and and you're listening this far in you must find some value for it just jump out to itunes make sure let's try to get to 10 10 five-star ratings for us that would be awesome again thank you very much uh he is chris boyer i'm reed smith we had a blast and we'll see you next week